January 12th, Wednesday, 6.30 p.m., New York City, Andrei Bogoslavsky. This episode is about karma. Karma-afterlife or reincarnation. And the, our guest speaker today is Buddha. How are you doing, Buddha? I'm fine. It's cold. Well, it's not so bad. Yesterday it was much colder. So we will be talking today about cultural inheritance that today in a 21st century we humanity have inherited with thousands of years of experience of understanding what the word karma means and what it means to be reincarnated, reborn, the places people are reborn. And we will be comparing different uh, traditions, religions, traditions. We will be comparing Mediterranean religions, which essentially, by the most part, came from ancient Egyptian tradition. Buddha, do you know anything about ancient Egyptian, Egyptian Book of the Dead, you know, 5,000, 6,000 year old text about um, how Egyptians understood re rebirth or how they understood going to heaven. Do you know anything about it? No. So, but you can give us some feedback about Hinduism and Buddhism. Is that right? Yes, of course. Okay, so what does the, the word karma mean in Buddhism and Hinduism and India? Karma means action. Action. So, so the word karma means action. Yes. So if somebody says you have a good karma, what does it mean? It means you are doing right thing at the right time. You're doing good for other people and for yourself. I see. So when somebody says you have a bad karma because the brick fall on your head... That means you did something bad before and bad things are happening to you? Is that how it works? In many ways, no. Uh, how come? Not necessarily you will get sick because you did bad things. It is more complicated because, right, in today's contemporary science, we realize that certain diseases people acquire, actually, 95, 99.9 .9 diseases are behavioral. You, back there in India, 2,500 years ago, you didn't realize that viral infections are behavioral. Bacterial infections are behavioral because you don't wash your hands, because you were exposed to viruses and bacteria. So it's behavioral. Psychiatric disorders make you behave in a certain way, abuse food, alcohol, drugs, or commit certain crimes, and you get into accidents and you break your legs because you were driving very fast and your car slipped and you broke your legs. So it's basically behavioral. You smashed your head against the wall because you were behaving unsafely. So in a, in a today's uh, contemporary world, we understand that you ate spoiled pork and you got poisoned and you died. Is that right, Buddha? Yes. So you ate pork, and then you knew you were eating bad pork? I tasted something weird, but I didn't know I'm going to die. All right. But other sages, other Buddhas, they know when they're going to die. Really? 
So they're, they're enlightened people who can say, I'm going to die next year or in five years from now? Oh, yes. Huh, that's interesting. Oh, boy, uh, things get complicated. So let me tell you how, how Mediterranean religions, how Mediterranean traditions and fantasies and desires of humanity are, are presenting reincarnation and a good objective in life. So in Egypt, in the Egyptian Book of the Dead, uh, which is 5,000 year old, and it's at the very core of Judaic Christian, Christian uh, religions, and of course Islam as well, you need to behave well in this life. So by the time after you die, you go to see many gods and creators. So you're going to see one God and Jesus and St. Peter. They will be asking you questions. Or they, sometimes they don't need to ask you questions because they know exactly everything about your life. So you're going to hell or you're going to heaven. In the Egyptian Book of the Dead, if your heart was heavier than the feather, you understand? Like a feather. There was a scale to weigh your heart. If you have a heavy heart... It's this, you know, common expression, he has a heavy heart, which means the person committed many bad deeds, many crimes, and he's hiding these crimes, and he has a heavy heart. He's not very open-minded, he's not very uh, contributing and love-giving person, because he has a heavy heart, okay? He might have killed many people, he might have ruined many lives, he might have stole too much, so he has a heavy heart. So in a, in a, in a life, during the life and at the process of death, after death, his heart will be waved and the person might lie. But unfortunately, these gods in ancient Egypt, they actually know when your heart is too heavy. They know exactly when you are lying and your heart will be too heavy. And the crocodile um, that looks like hippopotamus god will come out and bite your head off, basically will eat you and you will never go to heaven. In Egypt, in ancient Egypt, heaven was continuation of the life you had. If you were a farmer, you're going to be a farmer in afterlife, but you will not die. It will last forever. And in order to earn yourself such a, such a, such a beneficial place in an immortality, you actually need to be buried somewhere near king. And the king, which was called Pharaoh, the leader of the nation, was in direct communication with all the gods, Egyptian gods, and the priests were making sure that the king is performing certain certain rituals all day long instead of building canals and roads and developing agriculture. So the the, the king had a more more spiritual role, and everybody in Egypt believed that, I, that this king actually will go and see Osiris personally, talks to Osiris and everybody on daily basis, like a a direct line to all the gods. And these Egyptians, you know, during the inundation of River Nile, three months a year, they went and built pyramids. They actually were dragging those 
five tons, 16 tons, stones, all the way to the top of the pyramid. And they build these pyramids. It took 20 years to build. But every year for three months, you know, millions and thousands of people, farmers, didn't have anything to do. And the pharaoh was feeding them bread and fish and beer, a lot of beer. And if your team is performing better during, during the building of the pyramid, you get more beer and you get drunk and you will be happy, I suppose. So that was good life, you know, in Egypt. And then, and then the waters reside, then you go back to your farm, you walk for 200 miles back home, and you sleep under the sky. Well, I guess it doesn't get cold in Egypt. I don't know. I've never been to Egypt. And um, this is the people who build the pyramids 2500 BCE, so it's four and a half thousand years ago. That was their concept of, of afterlife. So, so the Egyptian Book of the Dead is basically the the incantation, the magic spells that you need to pronounce, to read, and to know by heart in your day, in, in your if you're an educated person in your in your life, so you don't commit those crimes, so you don't steal, so you don't kill, so you don't lie, and so after death you you will have heaven. This is interesting. What is so interesting that? You know, the concept of heaven, you you don't have it in Buddhism. What do you have in Buddhism? Uh, What do you have in Hinduism? Oh, in Hinduism, if you did bad things, you will be reborn as a frog, as a worm, or you can be reborn as a rock. Rock, interesting. So, uh, um... and uh, there is so you you need to behave well so you're not reborn as a frog and what is the best case scenario if you lived your life absolutely without doing anything bad neither by accident neither intentionally what happens then oh then you become a buddha then you're enlightened then you understand all the universe and you don't need to come back to this life you enter the infinite and the immortal. So you're not reborn at all. Not as a human being, not as anything. No. So you, Buddha, which is an enlightened person, will never be reborn again. No. So the person who is reborn... Now, here's a very interesting problem. In, in Tibet, they discriminate against children who are born with certain deficiencies, and they send them off to monasteries. Why is that? Oh, because somebody who is born with deficiencies, they had very bad karma from previous lives. Ah, boy. Is there any proof that this person is born? Uh, Listen, Buddha, in today's science, we actually know that there are certain viral infections that pregnant mothers might be exposed and it might cause blindness in newborns. You understand? So in today's science, we know most of of, um, um, children born with deficiencies were because of certain genetic mutations, because of certain invasive species, usually viruses, had altered DNA of a newborn during the pregnancy. And this is why people are born. It has nothing to do with what your uh, Atman, which is soul in Hinduism and Buddhism, is called Atman. 
which can be translated in the European language as a soul of a human being. And, you know, there is no physical proof of your previous reincarnations, Buddha. Yes, there is. Okay, prove it. I remember my previous lives. Oh, boy. So, listen, this is very negotiable and debatable. You understand? Certain people can imagine things that is very hard to understand why they imagine these things. It's very hard to comprehend why certain people see things in their in their imagination. But there is it's 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 a slippery road because everything these are thoughts and fantasies, and it must be it might be simply brain cells misfiring and creating certain pictures in your head you have seen when you were three years old and now you're 14, 15, you're seeing Egyptian pyramids in your dreams and you think you were a pharaoh when you really were, were a peasant washing shit. No, I'm kidding. So <coughs> there is no proof to prove that there were previous reincarnations of mine, of you. There is no... Yes, there is. Okay, listen, this is this is debate that has been going on for thousands of years. Because in Siberia, in the European traditions, in uh, all the people who invaded Western Europe with their languages, all the Germans, English, French, and Spanish, they brought in tradition that has nothing to do with reincarnation, with previous lifetimes, with so-called karma. And they had different structure of rules of behavior. So if somebody misbehaved and killed his neighbor, he will be punished right here on the spot instead of waiting for hell or heaven. You understand? So in the European traditions, which as you might know, yes, I know. What do you know? Aryans invaded India a thousand years before I was born. Right. Aryans from uh, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Turkmenistan area, Light-skinned people, yes, light-skinned people invaded India with their horses and they brought in certain tradition. Yes, fire sacrifice. Yes, fire sacrifice was brought by Aryan tribes and uh, something similar to Zoroastrian tradition of fighting for, for the right thing to do. That that was the origins of Zoroastrianism, which was approximately at the same time happening in today's Persia, while tribes were invading India from the north, the same tribes were invading uh, Iran from uh, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, you understand? So, and then at the same time, they were also spreading into Western Europe and bringing all these traditions about lightning God. And they actually invaded Greece, and this is how we have Zeus being God of lightning. Zeus being God of lightning, this is ancient Indo-European 20,000-year-old tradition, because lightning actually was very dangerous on the great stops of Russia, where I was born, when it when there is no trees, lightning hits, it will hit you because you're the tallest standing in the steps. <laughs> so that's why lightning, and the, because they're open steps, the the winds are very strong and the clouds are very low. Lightning is fairly low, and there's a lot of lightning. So going back to karma, what is the 
what is the what is what is your recommendation for a human being? You know, there is another text in 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 northern Tibet. They they, they have a, a, a writing called Tibetan Book of the Dead. It was written by a monk who is a Buddhist monk and who lived uh, about fifteen hundred years after you. Who brought Buddhism actually? Well, not he didn't bring Buddhism, but he was one of the Buddhist monks, and he wrote this book called Tibetan Book of the Dead. And in this book, it actually describes the process a human consciousness, a human soul, or Atman, as you call it, goes through after a body dies. And the rituals that need to be performed for 40 days, the body should be tied up in a sitting position, in a in the fittest position and should dry up in his own room, on his own bed, and after that it should be cremated. Did you know that? No. Well, nevertheless, so there is this book that describes the adventures of human consciousness after human dies, and essentially it's... uh, it's a, it, it, the book is being uh, practiced and read and memorized and chanted by the monks. By the monks, I have a copy of this book. It's not that old; it's a couple hundred years old. But it's being chanted and memorized, and monks live their lifestyle uh, following the rules in this book. So basically, don't kill, don't steal, don't lie, and don't false, and don't desire what you can't have. So these are the rules that are emphasized in this particular book. What do you have to say about that? Desire causes suffering. You need to meditate so you don't have desire. You know, there is a book that was written based on your teachings. During your lifetime, there was nobody taking notes, but people memorized. People who followed you for years, they actually memorized certain lectures you gave to people by heart because often you, I suppose, you repeated your words and lectures. But about a thousand years after you passed away, and never came back because you didn't reincarnate because you're Buddha. No, but I came to visit you. All right, I'm so grateful. So they wrote it and they they made a book and it's called Dhammapada. And they're your teachings. And they're very helpful, very helpful. How to overcome this inner anger that an uh, American person can have about his past, about his present situation, or about anxieties about the future. It's very helpful tool for self-control and self-discipline. Did you know that? There is this book, Dhammapada, and actually millions, up to a billion people, Buddhists in the Far East, Far Southeast, are followers of this book. And they build empires. They build tremendous civilizations. One of the most beautiful artworks have been created in the past 2,000 years, inspired by your words. People just took it to another dimension. And as you said, there were thousands of Buddhas after you. There were thousands of people who achieved enlightenment and were never reborn again. And I suppose... Thousands of people were reborn like frogs. That's why we have so many frogs in America. And we import frogs and cockroaches from other countries. Okay, so what is the conclusion of this dialogue, Buddha? What do you mean, conclusion? 
Well, how does person achieve good karma or earn good karma? That's a stupid question. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's not what I meant. No, okay, this is the question. How to make a good karma for yourself? How to make sure I'm not going to be reborn as a frog or as a cockroach? This is not the worst that can happen to you. What is the worst that can happen to me? If you are reborn without legs or with a small head with no brain. Yeah, that's a good point. So, how can I avoid to be reborn as a severely handicapped human being and my parents have to take care of me? How to avoid that? How do I make sure that I'm not reborn as a worm that anybody can squish? And, and I, I don't want to die in pain. It's okay to die like instantaneously, like in one second, but I don't want to be dying slowly over years and months and pain and tossing pain in the floor. Okay, so going back to how to live good life. That's a stupid question. I know how to live a good life. Yes. Everybody knows the rules. Yes, everybody knows the rules. So how come people don't obey the rules? Because they don't control their minds. Right. So ultimately, we come to a conclusion. In order to live a good life, you need to control your mind. You need to control your emotions and passions, your desires. Yes, you need to control your desires, your compulsive desires, and then you will have a good karma. Is that right? Yes. So you need to prevent from snapping on people and and rea overreacting with anger, with with hate. You need to prevent from abusing alcohol and drugs and overeating and oversexing. You need to prevent yourself from snapping on yourself or snapping and or acting self-destructively. Yes, you need to love. You need to love yourself. And then you will know how to love others. That's a very difficult aspect of human existence. Because people are very judgmental nowadays in America. Because society is constantly pushing and selling you this aspect of being better, being more progressive, being more shiny, more in shape, more perfect than others, competing and... and and standing up for for the better, wearing more expensive clothes, driving more expensive cars, living in a better house. So it's this constant chase for something uh, shiny, something fashionable, something trendy. And it causes people salivate and it causes human desire to achieve uh, extra money, which means resources, which means more work or even committing crimes to acquire the, those items, those things, including lifestyle. And it's unfortunate, but it, the, the world is going crazy, Buddha. I don't know what to do. It always went crazy. What do you mean? Don't you, did, did you have any, any... No. When I was around, everybody was crazy. Right. That's a good point. Yes. People were killing each other. They were going to war from one kingdom to another kingdom and killing everybody. 
people were starving. They weren't sharing food. Yeah, that's a good point. So the ultimate conclusion of our conversation is to have a good life, self-fulfilling and grateful life, one needs to behave positively positive attitude towards himself and towards his immediate environment, his family, his friends, anybody he meets in the daytime. Is that right? Yes. You need to love yourself and you need to love others. All right. So I, my personal recommendation to all Americans is to self-develop, self-discover, to get on the road of self-discovery and controlling your own human emotions and feelings and controlling your mind and reading ancient literature that includes Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism, and Mediterranean religions and philosophies. And a lot of good literature had been written in those days as well. So there is plenty of tools of self-discovery and self-realization. It's just a human being needs to get of the couch and start doing it. But before one reaches out, one needs to realize that something is lacking in his life, that he needs to work on himself. Just like somebody says, oh, I am 20 pounds overweight, so I need to start going to the gym. And he starts going to the gym and things change. The same goes for the spiritual hygiene. One needs to work on it. You need to brush your teeth and then they will be good and in good shape and you will be healthy. Yes, you need to brush your teeth. Yes, I drink too much coffee and smoke too many cigarettes. Thank you for listening. It has been over 25 minutes. We will expand this episode on some other occasion.